go back to routine so that in that passage in, in the ayah of Surah Al-Jumah Allah Ta'ala again mentions that you should do the zikr of Allah Ta'ala. so that is a lesson for us that if we want to benefit and Jumma is part and Ramadan for men and Jumma and for, for men upon whom it is part and Ramadan is also part so if we want to benefit from these fara'is the way to benefit from the fara'is from these mandatory obligatory acts of worship is to keep doing zikr after we have returned to routine. And if we don't do that zikr, then the law of that routine is ready there to swallow us up in a ghafla. And then once we touch that ghafla, as we mentioned in the past couple of weeks, that ghafla is just a transition. Nobody can say, I remained on ghafla, but I remained on taqwa. Taqwa meaning here, abstaining from sin. No. If once a person even sets foot on a ghafla, they can never even remain in a ghafla. The next step will inevitably be into sin. So we have to bring the feelings of Ramadan, the feelings of deen, inside to our routine. First method to do that is to have a daily regimen of dhikr, a daily time out in which we spend some time in the worship of Allah subhanahu wa Second way, that our Mashaikh taught us how to bring these feelings back into the routine that is known as Wukuf Kalbi that is known as always trying to remember Allah Subhanahu Wa in every mundane aspect of our routine this is that Zikr Kathir that Allah Ta'ala mentions in Quran that neither trade or commerce can distract them from the zikr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is that zikr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That they remember Allah ta'ala when standing, when sitting, when lying on their side. So, we have to try to practice the second type of zikr, which means to always be thinking and remembering Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala all the time in our routine activities. And if we don't do that, if we don't follow this commandment for zikr, then you will find that the routine activity will return us back to our routine. Now I'm going to mention uh, a few tips from our sheikh and from the mashaykh of our sallallahu alayhi wa sallam about let's you can call them valuable advices or key tips on how a person can get those feelings and make sure they retain those feelings throughout their spiritual journey. First thing is that anybody who returned to routine means if anybody returns simply to their akul. So when a person develops their kalb nourishes their kalb and rule through ibadah but if after Ramadan or after any spiritual surge they return just to their akal what does that mean? they're always thinking always analyzing always pondering before they were making dua and they were managing their worldly affairs through dua and tawakko through taslim and tafweez means through prayer and through reliance and trust in Allah subhanahu wa through submitting and uh, submitting and handing over, over their affairs to Allah subhanahu wa before they were doing that when they were in a spiritual high but now one way they return to routine is they return to their mind so you will find this all of a sudden in Ramadan we were making dua to Allah ta'ala 
for all of our worldly things. Once Shawal hit us, then all of a sudden we go back to our strategies and our plans and our plan of action and what we think and what we might do, right? And we become revert to becoming what our Messiah told totally ugly. So no, right? We have to save ourselves from this. And anybody who only and only relies and depends on their akal, remember that such a person will always go astray. If akal alone would have been enough to save a person, so that person who was so much akal, they used to call him Abu Hikam, and later he became Abu Jahl, certainly he would have accepted Iman and attained salvation. If akal was alone was enough to save a person, then there may be so many atheist scientists or atheist philosophers or atheist thinkers the fact that they were great thinkers that would have brought them to Iman so no there's no way that Akal alone will save a person and one of the greatest and quickest ways many of us especially sort of English educated Muslims revert back to the routine and lose their feelings is that instead of continuing to make dua and ibadah and having Akal Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala we immediately revert into our Akal and it's amazing you know in the month of Ramadan if a person has any difficulty the month of Ramadan has so much barakah in it that a person isn't even able to use their akal. What does that mean? So let's say a person is having a tough time in work, at work with their boss or their colleagues or having a tough time in their business. In the month of Ramadan, they can't even sit and strategize. The only thing they can do is make dua. Whenever they think about their difficulty, they automatically make dua. But outside Ramadan, what happens is that whenever they think about the difficulty, they automatically think strategy. Instead of make dua, think strategy. So this is what we have to do then in our routine, we have to start making dua. We can't always be making strategy, making use of the asbab. We should remember the pledge and promise and dua we make to Allah SWT in Surah Al-Fatiha. وَإِيَّاكَ So Allah SWT, you ultimately and I, ultimately and truly and really, it's only you that, and you alone that I seek for help. So then a third way, so the first thing was daily vajim and dhikr. Second is a particular form of dhikr known as wakufa kalbi, that we should always be thinking and remembering Allah subhanahu throughout the day. The third thing is dua. Dua. Instead of relying on our akal exclusively, we should still rely on dua. And that's what we're doing in Ramadan, dua at suhoor, dua at iftar, dua after tarawih, dua after khatam of Quran, so many opportunities and occasions of du'a so when you will see that in Ramadan we will witness about our own self that the more du'a and ibadah a person makes the less they rely on their akal the less they rely on strategy and thinking and planning and now you will see the same thing in ourselves outside Ramadan that the less du'a and ibadah we make the more we end up relying on our akal and we end up resorting to thinking strategy and planning and then when we do that we end up right back in routine and we end up losing our spiritual feelings. So in, don't, we should not let ourselves become entirely ugly. We should try to keep the thalmi aspect of ourselves alive, this, our spiritual hearts alive, and that is done through a process of dua and ibadah. Number four. <coughs> that we have to learn from experience. Now this is a sentence everybody says in English, right? That you must learn from your experiences. Sayyidina Rasulullah, he sallallahu in a beautiful hadith, he explained that the ummah spiritually learns from its spiritual experiences. 
spiritually learns from its spiritual experiences. Sayyidina Rasulullah said that if a Muslim is stung from one hole, he will make sure that he never gets stung from that same hole again. And if a person falls into a pitfall, they should learn and not fall into the same pitfall again. So this is a mistake we do. We don't do this enough in our deen. We had out-of-routine experiences. We were supposed to learn from those experiences and then not return to our, the ghaflat that we used to have in part of our routine. And we're very good about this in every aspect of ourselves. You physically learn from experience. If you sometimes eat hot food or hot pizza with the cheese is really hot and it slightly burns your tongue, you learn from experience. If you drink a hot beverage which is very hot and it slightly burns your tongue, or especially if you're having the hot, very hot cheese pizza, it burn halal cheese pizza, it burns the upper palate, and you learn from that experience, right? So you learn physically from physical experiences. Many of us learn intellectually from intellectual experiences. Some of us are even mature enough to learn emotionally from emotional experiences. But when is that spiritual maturity going to come in us that we learn spiritually from our spiritual experiences? Not only should we learn from our own experiences, but just like in every other realm of experience, you also try to learn from other experiences. This is something that the whole world accepts, that if somebody else is more experienced than you, then you should learn from their experience so the same thing is going to be true in spirituality, means in terms of taqwa and yaqeen and iman, in terms of sunnah and in terms of dhikr and ibadah, that if somebody is more experienced than us, then we should learn from their experiences. So this is one way also we can prevent ourselves from going back into routine. But what it would have meant that we should be, we should have been watchful, but we can retroactively, retrospectively be watchful what was it that worked for me in Ramadan what was that experience what was the thing that really every time I did it it would move me maybe somebody will say every time I play Santo Tasbi I really felt close to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala maybe somebody will say that every time I prayed Tahajjud that made me close to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala maybe somebody will say something somebody will say something we didn't even keep watch over this we were not in any way trying to learn spiritually from our spiritual experiences and even without a month passing, we may have even forgotten. Another example I will give, that every now and then a person in Tilawat of Qur'an, or if they understand Qur'an al-Karim when praying behind the Imam, sometimes there is an ayah, or a portion, part of an ayah, or even several ayat al-Qur'aniyah that had a deep impact on a person. But we don't make note of that. So we didn't make a note of that, we didn't make a record of that. We weren't able to learn spiritually from our experience, and later on we start wondering, that yeah, you know, there was that eye on Quran and I can't remember what it was, but all I remember was that whenever I read it in Ramadan it had such an impact on me. We should have made a note of that because we could have learned from that experience and that's something that is able to move us. And if we kept a note of that, we could have kept you know, we could have later on once again referred to that ayah, read that ayah and we could have been moved again. We have to make ourselves able to be moved feeling inside our routine. So the fourth way was that we have to learn spiritually from our spiritual experiences. And if you want, you could say number five is we have to learn spiritually from those who are spiritually experienced. That is something that we fail to do in our routine. Because in our routine is so mundane, so worldly, 
so dunyavi. We're always running around trying to find, so if you're a student trying to find an experienced professor, you're a contractor, you're trying to find an experienced builder, whatever you do, right, you're trying to always constantly learn, but it has to become part of our routine to learn from the experience of others spiritually. That is called sohba. We have to make a regular sohba part of our routine. We have to make a regular majlis part of our routine. We have to make a regular gathering part of our routine. That is something that itself will change our routine life and our routine feelings. One way that, you know, people say in this world that you get experience is by making mistakes, right? This is another thing that we fail to do. In other words, yes, we, and that's what I was mentioning, uh, that hadith of Sayyidina Rasulullah that which the summary meaning of that basically was that a Muslim learns from his or her mistakes. Now the problem is that we are doing amal on this hadith when it comes to our studies, or when it comes to business strategy, or when it comes to anything in our worldly life. But we don't do that from our deen. What does that mean? So to learn from one's mistakes. It's also part of the experience. It means that those things that are in our routine that remind us of sin or invite us to sin <clears throat> or prompt us to sin, we have to learn from that, learn from the mistake. We have to be watchful. Okay, so when I did this sin or I committed a sin visually or I committed a sin on the Internet, what was it that involved me in that? What were the steps that led me to that? I should learn from my own mistakes so I don't repeat them again. But our problem is that we're not trying to put it this way. We're not trying to edit our routine. We don't fix our routine. We're not watchful over routine. We're not trying to amend our routine. We're not trying to improve our routine. We don't do that. We are happy keeping our routine routine. We are routinely following our routine. So then the feelings aren't going to stay. We'll lose all those feelings that we got. We won't be able to get those spiritual feelings. We won't be able to keep those spiritual feelings. So one way is to learn from our spiritual mistakes. So uh, often the example that we give is uh, of misdirecting the gaze and surfing the internet. So we should see what was the mistake we made. So let's say a person could say, okay, my mistake was that I did it late at night. My mistake was that I did it when I was alone. My mistake was I started, I went to a new site, and then instead of reading a new site, which was text only, I went to a new site that also had images. That was what caught me into my mistake. We have to learn from our mistakes. Then what will happen is that the mistakes we make in routine, when we learn from them, we'll start eliminating those mistakes. Then our routine will become better. This is the real crux, and I was going to conclude on this a bit later, but since I've said the sentence, our routine has to become better, right? In other words, we have to move. Our routine has to move. It cannot be that, okay, this year's Ramadan was better than last year's Ramadan, but my routine is still the same as it always was. Routine becomes better means I want the routine of the Salihin. I want the routine of the Siddiqeen. I want the routine of the Mukhlaseen. I want the routine of the Qanateen. I want the routine of the Muttaqeen. 
We'd have to move from the just routine of Alladina Amanu to the routine of the Mu'mineen, or maybe even for us, we have to move from the routine of the Alladina Zalamu and Alladina Asrafu and move from that, move away from that, and come onto the routine of the Alladina Amanu, and then move away from that, and then come onto the routine of the Alladina Tako, right? So, this is, a, how is it going to happen? That's only going to happen when we are watchful over and erase and eliminate the mistakes that we made when we are in routine. And if you remember that we had mentioned that we have to learn from the spiritual experiences of those who are experienced, so then we'll mention two, three things that we learn from our own shaykh, right? And that's really what really a very easy way to understand what the soul from Tazkiyah and having a shaykh is about. It's about learning from the spiritual experiences of those who are more experienced than us. So one thing our Shaykh has mentioned and taught, and I'm sure many occasions, and you know, we were blessed to hear the Tameen of our Shaykh on this matter, and it was simple, very simple, that that person who fears Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala always, their ikhtitam will always be on khair. That person who fears Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sometimes, then Sometimes some of those people that ikhtitam will be on khair, ikhtitam means, sorry, their end, in order their anjam in English, their end, their final outcome, their final state. You can, we can understand the sense of the condition in which we will die, but the condition in which we die means the condition in which we will be raised in the day of judgment, right? So our end. So that person who fears Allah SWT always, their end will always be good. And that person who fears Allah SWT, sometimes their end will sometimes be good. And some of those people will come to a good end in their life, and it's a good end in their afterlife. So obviously, what does that mean? And then, okay, we can complete the sentence. And that person who's... That person who never fears Allah SWT, their end, they can never, ever come to a good end. Never. If they never ever fear Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that means they will never ever be able to come to a good end. So, it's very simple then. And that means that the lesson here that we're learning is that experience teaches that the more we fear Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the better end that we will come to. And the less we fear Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the greater the chance of us having a terrible end, an eternally terrible end an eternally disappointing end, an eternally tragic end. Second, uh, that anyone who disobeys Allah SWT will face worries in their life. So what does that mean? The next experience of the Mashaikh and their teaching have taught us that the more and more we disobey Allah the more worries we will have in our life the less we disobey Allah the less worries we will have in our life if all that a person does is disobey Allah then all that they will have in all of their life will be worries and difficulties However, if there is a person who never disobeys Allah SWT, then they will never have any heart-plaguing worries, any depression-inducing worries in their life. Yes, they may have a difficulty because that's Allah's nature, that He tests and tries everyone 
They may have a difficulty, but that difficulty won't cause any worry to their heart. It's something we mentioned many, many times on the program. Allah mentions about such people. Allah inna awliya Allahi. That indeed, the beloved and intimate friends of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, la khawfun alayhim wa la hum That there is no fear on them, nor can they grieve. So what does that mean? That they, how did they befriend Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? By leaving his disobedience. That you should be well informed and aware that they are none other, the awliyaullah are none other than the people of taqwa. So, that means that they 100% stopped disobeying Allah subhanahu wa So then they, after that they became 100% worry free. So these are things to look at in our routine, right? Am I disobeying or even if a person wants to start backwards, right? That do I have worries? And if somebody says yes, so can look, do you have any disobedience? Do you have any disobedience? And to remove those disobediences from routine. Again, to edit and amend the routine to make our routine better. Then, another thing that our Shaykh have taught us is that we have to remove the difference between our goal and our fitting between what we say and what we do. That person, and it's Jeeb, and I just want to say it once in Urdu, what our Sheikh said, that agar ham chate ke kol or fail ka fark, this kender, kol or fail ka fark khatam ho gaya, to phir uska nafse, amara nafse mutmain na ban jayega. If you remove the discrepancy and distance, the discrepancy between what you say and what you do, then your nafsa amara will become nafsa mutminna. And until and unless we remove that discrepancy, okay, sometimes we say one thing but we do another, or we say things as if, you know, say words of extreme taqwa but our actions are not of taqwa. We say words of love for Allah but our actions are not according to that true love. We say words of the love for Sayyidina Rasulullah but our actions are not according to that true love for the Prophet so what does that mean? That as long as we have a difference in what we say and what we do or what we pra- preach and what we practice, then we will not be able to get nafsa mutmainna. But that person who says whatever they do and they do whatever they say, that's also a big thing, says whatever they do but also do whatever they say, and they also practice what they preach and they preach what they practice, then such a person such a person will inevitably, ultimately get nafsu mutmainna. And all of us know Allah Ta'ala said in Quran, Ya ayyutahan nafsu mutmainna inji'i ila zambiki radiyatan maldiyya means they will lose their nafsu imara and then they will get that nafsu mutmainna. Right? So this is the one way that we can get this. Sayyidina Abu Dardar anhu he wants took a custom or he took an, an oath and he said that that person who is afraid of the fire of Jahannam literally he said that person who is afraid of a bad end in their life that person who is afraid of a bad ending means in terms of the akhira a bad ending to their life then that person, this is the call of Sayyidina Abu Dhabi, that person who is always afraid, right, in a good way, is fearful 
of having an unsuccessful death because of that fear Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will honor the fear they have for them and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will give them a successful death what does that mean? Yani a death on the kalima death on the kalima can mean literally that they will die while saying with the kalima but death on the kalima also means that their whole being their whole life was ultimately brought in alignment with the teachings and implications of that kalima and on the flip side that person who is never afraid is fearless who doesn't think that anything bad can ever happen to them that they will never face any punishment in the akhirah or that they will never be disappointing to Allah subhanahu they don't have any fear whatsoever of what their outcome will be in terms of the life after death then such a person right then uh, any such person who doesn't have such a fear of what their outcome will be life after death and such a person will become mahroom of reciting the kalima at the time of death. They won't be able to do it. They will pass away in such a way that the last thing and last thought in their mind and last thing on their tongue was not the kalima of la ilaha illallah Muhammad Rasulullah But they died on something else, which means the suggestion is that they died in the state of ghafla. So this is why these are a few advices that uh, our Shaykh mentioned and if we could implement these things in our life and if we could it would change our routine and it's only when we change our routine on earth that Allah Sponsor decrees with his hidayah that he's going to bestow upon us these wonderful attributes such as taqwa ikhlas sid sabr shukr tawakkal but that's only going to happen when we change our routine we amend our routine and if we remain stuck on the same routine and many of us we have so many aspects of our life that are very much stuck in routine as long as we remain stuck in routine we should just think that we will be stuck wherever we are and if we want to make progress to Allah subhanahu we have to make progress in our routine so the real work which is cut out for us is to make this progress in routine. And inshallah ta'ala we have planned that uh, although we will continue having these few uh, miscellaneous topics on this Thursday night program, but then inshallah in October we want then to start a particular systematic way of looking at the skia and practically how we can do our skia and most likely, most likely when that starts in mid-October, inshallah, uh, we will look at what our Mashaik have mentioned as the ten levels, Maqamat al-Asha, the ten stations of certainty and the ten stations of saluk and traveling on this path. If we can get and keep those ten feelings, then that will take us out of our routine. So this is an intention that we want each and every one of us to make on this night that I want to escape and move beyond the mundane routine that I have and I want to bring the deen and feelings of deen to each and every aspect of my routine each and every aspect of my being each and every aspect of my home each and every aspect of my interactions and engagements so that my routine becomes Allah subhanahu my routine becomes loving Him my routine becomes fearing Him my routine becomes remembering Him may Allah accept this intention from each and every one of us 
Jazakallah khair, Jazakallah We really appreciate the time that you put into this program And we'll definitely be waiting for mid-October uh, When we're going to be speaking to you Or when, you, when you're going to be, inshallah, enlightening us On the ten stations of certainty of this path of Saluk We really appreciate your input in this program And we make dua that all of us listening on Channel Islam International Must benefit, Sheikh Sheikh, remember us constantly in your duas And assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh